Welcome everybody, this is Afro Leads, the podcast. Afro Leads consists of two sisters, myself, Steph, and my sister, Julie, and we are on a mission to promote Black British business and culture. At present, we have multiple social media platforms, Instagram being our most dominant, but we have Twitter and Facebook, and across all of those social media platforms, we share positive posts about Black business, groups, communities, celebrities, music, and so much more. Today's guest and former Woman Crush Wednesday is none other than Miss Rochelle Dalfinis, another person who was brought to our attention by the Interior Design Masters TV show. Rochelle is an interior designer and an entrepreneur. After graduating in 2009 from her degree in interior design and environmental architecture, she worked in design studios in London and Bangkok. Whilst purchasing and decorating her own home, Rochelle noticed a lack of affordable wall art and set about making her own. Her enterprise, Luna Spot Design, was born. This brand offers an array of beautiful, unique home design, accessories and gifting options. Most of them have been designed or made by Rochelle herself or thoughtfully curated by her. You can find wall prints, cutlery, tote bag, wearing her key phrases from the show, champagne taste with love and ebony and mould to gold, candles, cups and saucers and much more. Thank you, Rochelle, for your sunny disposition and we hope to experience your experience on the show has been a wonderful boost for your confidence and career. Welcome and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Oh, you, know, you like really gassed me there. I was like, oh, <laughs> <is this> me? <laughs> yes, it is you. And like, it's amazing that you're here. So thank you so much for being our guest. Absolutely. And as Julie said before, we were like fangirling. And it is, it's crazy that two little, you know, little O's from Yorkshire, get to just put our feelers out and so it would be great to have Michelle on the show and then you respond not only not only you respond number one you have time to respond but number two then you say yes you actually dedicate your weekend to us which is amazing so thank you so much thank you I feel privileged to be on here (laughs) (laughs) well welcome to the show and as most of our listeners know we obviously wanted to know loads about you loads about your journey and throughout all of the questions no doubt people are going to get inspired one about your skill and just your personality but obviously about representation but we always like to delve deeper into the lives of the, and the backgrounds of our guests are you happy to tell us where you were born and raised and what your heritage is yeah sure so I was born in Walthamstow East London and I was brought up mainly in Gants Hill which is like East but borderline Essex really. My mum is from Barbados and my dad is from St Lucia but both of them came here when they were like probably between the ages of seven and nine they came to the UK so that's how they um I feel like that's who they are but yeah our um, Caribbean roots are quite deep probably closer to my mum's side and very like I'm in love with Barbados haven't been to St Lucia as much but yeah that's our our story amazing and did you say did you have any siblings I do yeah sorry I have a older sister Michaela and I have a stepbrother who's a bit younger than me called Jerome um and yeah I think obviously me and Michaela growing up together have always been very close Michaela's seven years older than me let me not lie it might be six or seven she might get, she might get annoyed by the year. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah six seven years older than me and she's probably like my best friend I know people say that about their sisters don't they you guys probably get that like are you best friends but um, yeah she's my everything and with, with me and Mikhail, I don't know like because we're like come from 
a Caribbean family, we all talk really like we're quite passionate and mm-hmm. we get really like emotional, which means we can get quite loud, which means that sometimes it sounds like we're arguing, but we're not. It's all love. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Michaela is like, yeah she's just been there for me and the great thing about having an older sister is that you get this person who gives you a real talk and there's yeah. been a lot of real talks in the last couple of months when I've been having my meltdowns or whatever or I yeah. don't know not on the right path Michaela's been there on the end of the phone like giving me that sometimes I don't really want to hear it I'm not gonna lie <laughs> but, but like you know I'm just I'm so so lucky that I have that person in yeah. my life you know so yeah yeah oh, that's lovely yeah really lovely to hear and it's just sound like a real blessing and is it all right to maybe because we were going to ask you about this later but you've been really candid on and refreshingly candid on social media about the reality of burnout is that is that kind of the kind of things that Michaela's been helping you with yeah yeah Michaela is like she because I'm always like I think you have also seen the show that I struggle with my confidence a little Mm. bit in certain things or not feeling good enough and my sister's always like you know you can do this but like when I'm talking to you she was like it sounds like you don't believe in yourself like all of us believe in you but you don't seem to believe in yourself Um, and so like when I've had those moments but also she's been really helpful in trying to help me manage my time and not overwhelm myself because there's so many things that you're juggling along with emotions so I work for one of the largest architecture practices in the UK and I've recently, sorry, the last 18 months I set up a self-initiative for EDNI for equity, diversity and inclusion to try and lead the way for black people within the industry because Mm -hmm. architecture is a very white, privileged male industry and there's less room for people who are like me I tried to get into it and and it didn't quite work out for me and I want that to be different for other people so I've been working really hard at pushing that but actually what I'm employed for is to be a team coordinator so I'm always almost running these two roles at the same Mm. time but then also trying to have my own business and then being on a tv show and I've never been on a tv show before so there's trying to deal with like I want some opportunity also for myself out of that Mm -hmm. so trying to make that time and like you know on Instagram people have I've been told people are thirsty so they want you to feed them but for me it's really hard for me to keep feeding people every day on Instagram and sharing my creativity because I'm literally just trying to live life (laughs) I'm just trying to get by so finding that balance has been really hard and I've I've definitely not perfected it at all but I really wanted to share that with people yeah because I think that with Instagram people just assume like say you've been on TV that you must have like I don't know been paid for it or got a lot of money and they've got this time to just produce content Mm. Um, and also that they have no reality of what's happening in the background because people only show you on Instagram what they want you to see yeah good and I've always struggled when I look at other people and I'm like yeah I love like I love this person or I'm following this person that person and then I'm like how how do they do this how are they juggling all this stuff like where's the reality here <laughs> like yeah, yeah. So I just feel like I mean I don't have like thousands and thousands of followers but I think for the people who are on there and have taken the time to follow me and like share like taking what I'm sharing I thought it's really important to share with them like this is reality guys like 
you know there's people out here hustling hard yeah <laughs> and, and it's not easy when you're just trying to you're trying to live you're trying to get by but you're also trying to make the most out of, of, of opportunities that could be or making more opportunities for yourself I think it's really refreshing that you're you're like you're obviously young you're passionate you have your main role team coordinator you then obviously split your focus to do another passion project which obviously is diversity and inclusion which is so incredibly important I work in diversity inclusion and I know how much effort it takes because although it's not everybody's main job it should there's a part of it that should be part of everybody's main job and people have got different pressure points and different you know deadlines etc so when something launches it might hit a time period which is not really convenient for everybody else but you still need the momentum and everybody's input etc so that can just be overwhelming then you go on a tv show (laughs) to to add to your workload and spin another plate and then obviously you have life to lead and then you're thinking how can I I get like you say those opportunities how do I then turn those into future opportunities not just for me or even just future you know learning or lessons shall we say and I think it's really refreshing that somebody as charismatic and as eloquent and as obviously charming as yourself within such a short space of time is just so real about it a lot of people are very you get to a point where maybe their their time in you know in, in fame shall we say has burned out and fizzled and then they tell you well this is the reason why but you've done it in real time yeah and I think that's really refreshing I think that's what people really resonate with you about about because I think that's what's real isn't it really it's not always like champagne lifestyle you've gone on tv and then you're going to be on another tv show or you get your own spin-off that's not you know that could be the dream yeah but it's not what everybody's journey is but the lessons that you're learning is what you're kind of giving to your followers and to the people that are like your fans etc I think that's lovely absolutely like my my mom is another like big like obviously she's a big fan of one but she's another great person to real talk and I did have a moment when I came out of the show or like after it aired and it was like I feel like everybody's getting all this attention and like when you're on the program like the producers definitely gas you up like everyone gasses you up to be like you can get anything you want it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. where you come in the show you've been on tv you can get anything you want as long as you you know keep putting things out there you show people people will like follow you they'll give you opportunities that isn't the complete truth the complete truth is that if you're safe I don't know, you come in the top three, yes, you will have people throwing themselves at you. If you're more like midway where where me and Abby left, that's not the case. You still got to be on your grind and mm. it's hard. Cause I was like, I was saying to my mum, like, oh, I feel like I started to believe that maybe I could do it and I could make an opportunity and get um sort of more paid work, more design work out of it. And it's like it's just not happening. And I feel like it's happening for everyone else around me. And my mum always says, at the right time for you, mm. everything happens at the right time for you. And for those Agreed. people, that that's their time. But don't think that your day won't come. Mm. you just have to keep believing that that your day will come this it's just not your time at this moment you've done this fantastic thing just keep doing you yeah and and, you know like she was like all the opportunities that have ever come to you in the past have just been because you've been minding your business you've just been doing what you do best and what you love and and that's where it's come from so um I love your mum she's amazing I love my 
my mum needs to my mum needs to like have her like own podcast the things that she, she the thing the words that come out of her mouth like champagne tastes lemonade money that is my mum <laughs> from my nan and another one you probably always hear me say is um if you can't ride horse ride cow that's my mum she's like well, it doesn't work this way you've got to take the other way that's it. <laughs> so, I love yeah. her she sounds amazing yeah. and I can see why you've turned out to be so fab because like the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree yeah she's lovely my mum was one of the first people in so my mum moved to Reading not moved to Reading but that's where they and my nan and my granddad that's where they kind of set up life in the UK was in Reading and my mum set up the first black Caribbean youth club which still runs today which is what oh really and so when I see myself doing stuff like this and sadly that we are having to do this 50 years on like we're still having to like make space for ourselves when actually we shouldn't have to but I see myself doing that like setting up the first Eden I lead for one of the largest practices in the country I'm like oh yeah I got that from my mom (laughs) you know like that that passion of wanting to like provide a space for us as young black people you know it's just sad that it has to happen still this time on but yeah that's definitely where I probably get it all from with her I love that it's lovely and do you know what I always say I mean I used to get really vexed at like I can't believe we're in 2020 or we can't believe we're in 2021 and we're still the first so-and-so Whereas now I think, do you know what? Like your mum said, there's a timing for everything. And if you're the person that's the first person doing it, there was a reason why. Yeah. Um, and it might be like seeing things through rose-tinted glasses, but everything that, that I see now is more of an opportunity for like us as the next generation, that the people before us have tried. It's not like they've not, you know, that they hadn't had the passion or hadn't had the desire to change things. Things were different then. And especially post 2020, I think there's a lot of black people that see a lot more representation and, and obviously therefore feel more motivated and see they, that they can achieve things. But I also think like, yeah, it's our time now and um, there's lots of opportunity for us to leave our mark and sort of leave our legacy as well. So hopefully... In generations to come, they'll be thinking like, you know, my grandma Rochelle was this, and this is why I'm, <laughs> this is why I'm like doing this. You know, that'd be so lovely. I'd love that. <laughs> well, it's true. It is a different time. Now you're absolutely right. Like, and this is our time. Like, and and to take ownership, not even ownership. Mm. Just, I think people have had to listen, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. Yes. To listen this time. And I think that was the hardest thing after, um, after George Floyd in 2020. Like for me, setting up these self-initiatives within this practice, one was scary because you know how it is. Like sometimes if you're seen as talking out about something that's mm. uncomfortable, you're like, you're showing the door. But, yeah. but also it, it was really hard hard because I was like oh my goodness that there's all this stuff that I've navigated throughout my working life that like has happened and I just have to go with it if you know what I mean this is the first time I actually can say out loud what it is like I don't have Mm -hmm. to hide it I don't have to be worried that people are going to think I'm I'm pulling out the race card actually I'm just saying pulling it out for what it is and and saying like well this is how we can change it now that you're willing to listen or whether they were willing or just you know I think this country in particular had to listen the world had to listen a bit more yeah and and be seen to take in action so that was 
definitely our time. I think a lot of us have like strike while the iron's hot and it continues on, which is which is great. Yeah, it's an incredibly bold thing to do and it's very empowering. So you don't know who's watching and how they've been influenced and stuff said. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a GP and I, before becoming a GP, I did surgical training. And just this week, I read an article about a current surgical trainee who's just basically kind of saying that there's just it's so there's such institutional racism that actually puts what makes black and brown doctors really anxious. You've got this other level of uh, another barrier to go through, not only to get through the training, but trying to navigate the microaggressions or sometimes not so microaggressions. And just reading the, the article, it was like, it's like I'm speaking because that's my experience. Like, certain things that in the article I was just like this for me was 10 years ago and I didn't say anything because a expected it b just wanted to get my head down and get through it but then this is really brave bold person who's saying enough is enough and making a way that's going to be better for those coming through like you just like you're doing in architecture it's so powerful so honestly hats off to you in that and to do that whilst navigating running your own business and also being on a TV show and the demands of that must have been like you must have been exhausted. I hope you went on holiday or something. No, I'm still waiting. I'm still literally waiting for the holiday. All right. <laughs> oh, get yourself get yourself an easy jet, love. Immediately. No, no, don't get yourself an easy jet. <laughs> no, no, do you know what I need I really do need to I've been saying this now, like, and it's also learning where to stop, isn't it? Because yeah, like I it has taken me probably the last 18 months to get this, like the AD and I role set up for them to actually offer it, offer it to me and mm. for it to get in place. And the offer only really came through last week for this. So I was like, yeah, when that happens, then I'm going to have a break. And, when, and I need to stop being that when this happens. Yeah. This happens. Like, I actually do need to take a, like decompress a little bit. Yeah. There's been a lot that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> And you deserve it. You more than deserve it. Yeah, thank you. I'm just really interested in terms of, have you always had a flair for interior design and architecture? Is it something that as a youngster, you had a flair for, were you able to decorate your own bedroom? Or I don't know, like what? Yeah, Yeah. so like it started very young. Right. (laughs) It started when I used to go up to my mum's bedroom and take her lipsticks and draw my own murals on her wall. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, my God. In her, bed- oh, yeah, oh. in her bedroom. Oh, she should have kept that and that framed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she honestly. So my mum used to always have to go to my aunt who lived around the corner and use her lipstick. Like ask her, like, um, Ondine, have you got a lipstick that I can borrow? Because Rochelle's literally drawn all over my walls and just worn mine down to nothing. So that you I feel like that. Kind of you didn't get into trouble. You were at yeah, all. Yeah, I did. I was really young. Like, I, don't, I don't know how old I was, but yeah, I think that she was probably more annoyed that I, she had this like special edition Chanel. Um, <laughs> that I <did>. <laughs> <laughs> like that. I poured that all down, and then she was like, "Oh, she's really quiet." And it actually, what's that smell? And then came upstairs, and I'd literally emptied the whole bottle. So she was probably more annoyed mm-hmm. about that. Than oh, okay. But <laughs> definitely behind her bedroom wall on the wallpaper was some beautiful work by me. So I feel oh like that was my first experience of designing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And that's so crazy because I remember our mum had, do you remember she had like um, 
a makeup box that had loads of different like um, eyeshadow palettes, mascara yeah. and stuff, lip gloss box. And we used to just put it on ourselves. We weren't creative to put it on the walls. So yeah, I love it. I love it. Oh, it wasn't even on me. It was definitely on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so I, think, I feel like that's where it started. And my mum, I think also just to kind of keep me quiet, would always like give me like something to draw. Or that yeah. But as I got older, I think even before, I was probably still in primary school when I'd like changed my room at least once or twice. And I was the, oh. I was the design director. Mum was the person who paid. She was the funder. <laughs> so it would be like, you know, I remember one of my first ones was like this like little Laura Ashley, very chintzy looking design that I had and mum had, got me the curtains to match more. oh so and lovely then, yeah she'd always lovely. let me paint change it up and then or like change where things were in the room but I was always allowed to like paint pick wall papers and whatever so I, in that house that I grew up in it probably saw quite a few changes oh that's so lovely yeah yeah and I I've just I've always really been I don't I always think I'm not very academic so I've always enjoyed drawing making things and my mum's always nurtured that so mm. when I was in school and secondary school and I was doing my A-levels and stuff and I was really into art my mum would always buy me all the books she would always take me to exhibitions and stuff like that so oh. I think it's always been there and then I studied interior design and environmental architecture but before that I did an art and design foundation oh so I didn't I didn't really know what area I wanted to focus on whether it was fashion or like spatial or whatever so I kind of did that which allowed me to go through different segments I suppose and then I decided on interior architecture and oh my god that's so fascinating your mum is amazing yeah, we need to is. get her on the podcast yeah the one thing she um so she used to always buy me really nice books but she bought me this beautiful book by Chris Afidi and it was basically like he'd done this pavilion um, with David Ajay, I think, and it was in Ghana and it was in like the red green. It was this beautiful like glass. I don't actually think it was in Ghana. It might have been Venice Benali or something like that. Anyway, they had created this book that came in this really beautiful box. And it was like three, three tiny books. Each of them had the Union Jack on the outside, but they were in the Ghanaian flag colours. <laughs> instead of the and um Chris Ophelia always had this really beautiful like um kind of like looped design like that would, would be repeated and on the outside it was this black but this kind of clear looped design on the outside I just it's probably still at my mum's but I was just in love with that book and I think mm. that was my first introduction to a black design a black artist mm. and a black architect and I just, I cherish that. It's probably one of my favourite things. Um, and then I went to Chris Avida's exhibition at the Tate and he did this really beautiful painting for Stephen Lawrence called No Woman, No Cry. And his canvases were always held up with um, like elephant dung. It was just always really beautiful. But that was my first, like, that's my mum exposing me to people and like yeah. that she felt I could relate to. Yeah. But also like feeding what she saw right I was about kind of thing yeah. like the encouragement so that book I'll never forget that book she brought me many books but that for me was just like the kind of beginning of my mum just being like yeah this is you like this is what you want to do here you go like here's your resources you know that is, I just love hearing that because that's really refreshing for 
an African or Afro-Caribbean parent, I think, not to kind of be kind of negative. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. she's your gift and she's nurturing that gift from the get-go. And that's beautiful. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we I probably shouldn't talk about this now. <laughs> Me and my friend, so my, one of my best friends lives next door. She's, uh, we went to you. What, literally yeah. next door? Yeah, literally oh, like, <laughs> We share a wall. And um, <laughs> she, we used to live together at uni, which was probably yeah. about 13 years ago. And then she was like, she came and lived with me for a little bit and then managed to get the house next door. So oh. we literally share this wall and we share <laughs> not anything, everything. But she's from Sierra Leone. And it's, we were talking yesterday. <laughs> she was telling me something about my ex-boyfriend. She was like, oh, you know, like maybe you should have like married him. or Not should have married him. She just spoke about him. And, and I said, oh, yeah, one of our family friends keeps saying to my mum, when's the wedding? When is the wedding? And my mum said to her straight, she was like, look, they're not getting married. They've never... They're, they're not together anymore. Like, that's it. And she was like, Michelle, this is how your mum's different to my mum. My mum, African mum, she'd be saying, soon, 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 soon. <laughs> and then she'd say, she'd say, you, you better marry her. Marry her for the sake of marriage. Like, not if... <laughs> it's so <laughs> like, true. Then she'd be she calling me. And she'd be like, she'd be like, then she'll call me and she'd be like, Aisha, you're bringing shame. Shame on the family. Not marry... <laughs> <laughs> and she was like this she was like this is why I love your mum because she's like your mum is just she's like your mum's so different compared yeah. to some other as we've found that other African and Caribbean mums that are just like like she's like I love the way your mum sort of shut that down that you know you're not marrying that's yeah. kind of cool like yeah where she was like there are so many African and Caribbean mums that would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you should be like, yeah. appearances, like, hi, simply kind of like, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love keeping up appearances. Love yeah. that show. <laughs> your mum sounds really cool. And I think that you're like, absolutely, like, obviously getting to know you a little bit more today is your project. I always think this when you meet people and know a little bit more about their background. I always think you're a product of your environment and you seem so much a product of the positive and just like motivated environment of your mum. Like you obviously see her thrive and obviously that's rubbed off on you anyway. And the fact that she's so like for you, like whether it's a case of in education or whether it's just spurring you on. I'm taking notes. I'm a new mum. I'm taking notes. Let's put it this oh, way. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I feel I mean I don't have children neither does my sister but my mum definitely got it from my nan they were very like mm, very, right. very open and and I was I sang even the other day to one of my colleagues who was talking about his son as a teenager and he's like oh you know he's doing this and that kind of thing and and I was like do you know what one of the best things my mum ever did was that she always let our friends come to our house mm-hmm. so she always oh we had a very open house mm. and We'd always be able, when we got to a certain age, like we're like teenagers, I don't know, maybe 16, 17, my mum would always be like, if you're going to drink, you drink in this house. I don't want you on the street. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be, I'm upstairs, I'm a responsible adult, and if anything happens, I know where yeah. you, you, you live, and I know your parents. And yeah. actually... I feel like for transparency and not hiding things, that was like she that was her actually being very clever, I think, because mm. she's actually in control and watching and hearing what's happening, yeah. not interfering, but letting us do our thing, but in an environment where 
we're actually safe, if you see mm-hmm. what I mean. And um, the one thing she said to me, if anything happens, I want you to tell me. And she said, because I will never not love you. I will never stop mm-hmm. loving you. She said, I might be disappointed in you. And mm-hmm. she said, you know when I'm disappointed, like, yeah, and I will tell you. But she's like, I'd rather we have an adult conversation and we talk and I help you make the right decision than you trying to hide something from me and, and making the wrong decision and making things worse. And I think that if I do ever have children, that's exactly what I would be doing yeah. and, and what I'd try to install because I think having that communication, that don't get me wrong, my mum was never like, she's like, me and you are not friends. If you know what <laughs> I'm like, we're not, like oh, we're not the same size. You know I'm what I'm saying? How many times did you hear? I'm not your little schoolmate. that's where where I struggle because I just want to be his mate when he grows over I want to be going into town with him I want to be getting the lowdown that's where I'm going to struggle big time no but I think think you can find that balance like now I speak to my mum like probably not as often as she wants me to but like now that I've got her messaging a bit more talking on the phone and Mm. and we are but like there's definitely the respect that she's my mum yeah yeah um and like my mum's not like though she's cool she's not someone that I'll go raving with don't get me wrong (laughs) but (laughs) But like one thing I know is that I can tell my mum anything. Like, yeah. I can actually tell her anything. And, yeah, and, which is amazing. Yeah, and I think that's what you want for your children. Yeah. Right? You want them to be able to tell you anything and not be scared because at the end of the day, it's all going to come out anyway at some point, isn't it? So I'd rather know as a parent and be like, this is how I can help you. I'm not happy yeah. I can help you, <laughs> you know. I think that's really rare, though, in, in the black community. What? my experience of that community because I think some parents are so strict and in control inverted commas of their pet of their kids because they fear everything like they fear that you know something's going to go wrong and your child will be spotted and be the one to be blamed or out of everything you, you know they're not for us so you know they're so strict and restrictive that the friendship isn't there there's fear as a relationship rather than friendships are then this element of like you say come and tell me when you're in trouble you wouldn't you'd go to your parents if you're in trouble because you're in fear of the, reper- the, the repercussions of that so I think what you've got is bloody it's like a fantastic I think it's really rare to be honest yeah I I, I feel like as I got older I've realized it how rare it is mm. and also I've seen like my cousins used to literally live around the corner we're all pretty much the same age but our households are so different so mm. like my um my dad's brother and his wife and their children and they were really strict like I remember going to their house and like if you'd ever sleep over it's like we're going to bed and it's still daylight like (laughs) you know what I mean they're always really strict really like read your book kind of thing and like like probably and they weren't allowed our friends which were like all our friends weren't allowed at their house like everyone wanted to be at our house Uh and I and I think like the and they hid things, of course they did. Of course. You know, so I feel like it doesn't it doesn't help. But that that's like a typical Caribbean household yeah. in some way, like, you know. And like don't get me wrong, like my mum always said to me, she's always said you had you have to work harder than anyone else. And mm. there's no like uh, oh yeah, like there's no relaxation on oh just do you boo kind of thing. It's not like that, but 
she was there to remind me like things are different for you this is how mm. things are going to mm. be this is how people are going to look at you and blah 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 and very much like education was important all those things but I think she just I think she had the balance right she probably gave yeah. me like, oh, if I told her this but I think, <laughs> I, think I think she got the balance right and it's something I've learned a lot by how she parent parents and I've also mm. learned a lot as an adult from another adult like from her you know yeah. like how to navigate does, life does your mum still work and if so what what does she do yeah no no she doesn't she used to be a facilitator like for a like I think it was learn direct I can't remember, mm-hmm. something like some educational facility but before that she was uh like a secretary for British Gas so my mum basically used to be the one who went out and worked and my dad was the one who went and got his degree in engineering so my my dad was a structural engineer and when they were together my mum was the one who went around working so when my dad left and we were probably I don't know how old we were my mum was like a mature student and she went and did her degree bless her oh I love her I think that's where I get the hustle from maybe Mm -hmm. because I like see my mum now I'm 35 and my mum at 35 had her husband had left her she had two kids she had one salary and was trying to keep a roof over our heads do you know what I mean and yeah she managed to do that and she managed to have two children who she brought them up well we didn't go with that oh and managed to get a degree so I'm like yeah go on mum it's amazing yeah Yeah. Yeah. incredible sorry I feel like I'm talking a lot about mum but no but I think sometimes that you know she's an amazing person to have in your corner like and like it sounds like you've got a really strong tribe of, of really strong women around you that and and if you're a strong you know impactful woman and you need to have others around you to kind of fill up fill up the well as it were and yeah. it's amazing to hear that and yeah no so don't never apologize I mean we we could rub it on about our mum for time in memorial I think I think I and I also um we're of a similar age I'm 39 but I just, I also know people who don't still have their parents. So, you know, you've got to give people their flowers whilst they're here too. And I, yeah, so never apologise for that. Is it all right to ask you, we've done really well to not ask you about interior design last so far. <laughs> all right, just to briefly ask you, because like, I am obsessed. It is an incredible show. I love seeing you on it. You were just wonderful. How did it come about to get on it? Did you still work? I'm getting the sense that you were still working. I didn't plan for interior design masters to be on it. I hadn't really watched that much of the second series. I've watched a bit of the first. Second one, I'd watched a few episodes and my uncle at the time kept calling me and he was like, oh, there's this show, like, you should go for it, you should go for it. And I was like, no, I'm not going for it, like, it's not for me. And then he called me up another day and he was like, I've applied for you. And I was like, no oh. way. I was like, there's no way. And he's like, I have, I have. And I was like, no, 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 no. He's like, yeah, I have, I have. So he was adamant he'd applied. Anyway, I was like, put the phone down from him. And I was like, let me see. There's no, like, this is not Love Island. No one's sending you like an IG link and like being like, yeah, this is, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, no, he couldn't have. So I had a look and it was like he couldn't have applied because he would need like you needed to show bits of your work that you'd done over the couple of years like just things that you'd done in your house or little projects that you'd worked on so I thought do you know what if I do this 
he will shut up because he'd even got my mum on board with the whole no, thing. I- <laughs> so I was like, no, I was like, I, if I just apply, like it's really nothing for me to apply. Like oh, I've wow. got the stuff on my computer. I can throw the images in, blah, blah, blah. And then do, I think they wanted like a, it was optional, but you could do like a one minute intro of like who you were, video. So I did that, sent it off. And I was like, I'm not getting this. Like, so I told him, I just sent him the screenshot to say like, you have like, submitted your application so he was like yeah yeah cool cool so I was like great everyone can shut up now carried on with my life and then I got a call I remember so clearly because I was standing in the kitchen it was lunchtime and I was talking to Michaela on the phone and we were like fairly having our little like debrief chat about whatever and I was like oh Michaela I've got to go someone's calling me like on a withheld number so I answered the phone I'm like hello like who's <laughs> interrupting our like sister lunch chat <laughs> so I'm like hello and then like, oh, this is um the BBC or not the BBC we're calling for interior design masters and I was like oh okay and they're like yeah we saw your application we just like wondered if you'd like to like go through to have a like an audition tape recorded interview so I was like oh okay and then I was like oh god this is really happening and then they're like you're down to the final 10 and then yeah it was it was mad because they you do the I did the audition tape interview and then they ask you to submit like hey what is it I don't know if I'm allowed to say they actually they give you a brief that you need to Mm. submit and then they take that to wherever they take it so they called me back after that and said you're down to the last 16 and so I was like okay and then we were just waiting and waiting and then they're like yeah you've got phones is that cool but I did consider maybe not doing it because you don't get paid for it and it was taking time out of work and so Mm. and taking unpaid leave basically so and you have to prepare to take that up to if you were to win you would be in it for four months so yeah. Really time. So oh. I was like, that bit, I was like, well, how am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to pay my bills? Like, how am I going to like survive? Because mm. I'm not going to have an income. Wow. And then I spoke to my mum about it. And my mum was like, just, you know, this is once in a lifetime opportunity. Like if we're always a family, try and chip in and help you. Like you're not going to go without. So just, just do it kind of thing. And where's that uncle, by the way, who started this part? I know. He's, he's proud of it. Do you know what? He's like, he's literally like my manager. He calls, he calls me up, called me up literally this week. And he's like, yeah, so Michelle, like, I'm just thinking you've done that show. And he's like, why, why don't, have you been seeing this other program? Like, I think it's called oh I don't know flip it or something I don't know and he's like and he's got two black presenters like a brother and a sister like you know maybe she, and I'm like oh my gosh not this again. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like no but you know you've got to keep going you've got to still like you've still got to keep showing your time I'm like okay well, whatever. I love it yeah Absolutely no he's, he's, he's still there like digging I'm like do you know what like is someone paying you to be my manager because you're the only person coming to me being like I've seen this this and I think you can do this <laughs> I love him. He sounds great. He's he's still there, bless him. He's my he's my mum's younger brother, so right. he's always on it. So that's it. That's how it happened. And then I basically asked for unpaid leave at work, and I took one. What was it? I took one week's pay, like one week's holiday for every month that I was off. So I think in the end, I was off for about two months, just under two months. And that's crazy because oh, I always I don't know why I just think oh they do it on the weekend it's like the Saturday you know like <laughs> that bake off no they no, no so the bake off. 
Bake Off people get to do like a, I think you get like, you just live your normal life and then you dedicate your weekends to doing that. Yeah, so it's not like that on Interior Design. Oh no, no. And like, even the way it is, I think it's, it's very intense. Like, so you get a week to design. So you get your brief. Yeah. About 1500 pounds. And then you have to go off. You're given a van. If you can drive, you're given a van. If not, you work it out some other way. So you drive your van around town trying to get as much as you can. And then you do. Oh, gosh. That's interesting. I'm sorry to keep interrupting. I thought somebody would kind of get that for you. Like when the van. That's crazy. That is really intense. Like you can't rest. You cannot. Do you know what? Like in hindsight, I'm like, I wish I could do this again. But with the knowledge of like, you don't know yeah. how TV works and you yeah. really don't feel yourself because if you have a client now, like if I, a client comes to me and says, oh, I want you to do my front room in my house, you would see that, visit that client, you'd see the space, you'd measure it, you would get your drawings ready, you'd get all your materials ready, you'd have time. Yeah. Um, and you can think quite clearly and then think maybe that's not going to work or I'm going to suggest this. Whereas there, you don't meet the client. And if you do, like when we met the school children, mm. like, like literally it was like probably 15, 20 minutes of chatting with them. Right. Being filmed. So they're not completely. Themselves. Relaxed. Yeah, exactly. And then that's it. And then you don't, you just see these tiny little pictures of the space. All the like, you see, they'll give you measurements. And you just got to try and buy what you think's right. The fit in the space. Yeah. 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 So it must be difficult like with the hotel rooms like not actually seeing them until you actually get there yeah you you don't literally don't see a thing apart from photos and then mm. like with the hotel rooms there's obviously certain restrictions like we couldn't paint certain parts of around the window and there were certain bits that you weren't allowed to touch as well right. also when we go on to location these places are often not prepped so when we went to the hotel room, we still had to like rip out the bed heads and oh right, get okay, that stuff moved out. So and we had to buy a carpet for that. So we were given like an extra five hundred pounds, but like five hundred pounds for carpet. I think it was five hundred pounds for carpet. Was paying for the fitter who was like a hundred and something. Oh um, right, okay. Paying for um. I don't know if we had to get underlay, but grippers, like the whole thing. All of it, yeah. Yeah, so we had to, do, we managed to do that before we got on location. That was the only thing that they laid, I think, and then put down. Maybe they carried it with me, so no, it wasn't laid before we got <laughs> That's just crazy, the whole concept, because you're already in a quite a pressure cooker environment yeah. because you're yeah. thinking, like, you want to deliver. Yeah. And obviously it's on TV. You want yeah. the opportunities based on your skill to be shown. Just, you know, you want it to be shown and be reflected of your talent as well. But the fact that you're on TV, you can't even have those moments where you would at work, where you just go and get, you know, go to the staff room, have a bit of a bitch and a moan, take your time out, you know, yeah. you know, just come yeah. into work with a scrunchie, no makeup. You, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you just can't relax no. everything. Yeah. Exactly. You're wearing the same clothes for four days because it's like build continuity. Yeah. First down location, the only thing you do is you're filmed viewing the room for the first time. 
right. and valuable interviews. It's like a whole day, but you, you do not touch that room. You don't have trades, nothing. Then you get two days where your trades are in and that's when you get to do the work. But it's not two days, it's like 16 hours because mm. you're constantly being stopped and you're, into, you're being asked, what are you doing? Or, or Rochelle, can you hold on that? We're just going to wait for Alan to come in. And when Alan- I was going to ask you about that because sometimes when you'd be like, the clock is ticking. You're ticking? And I'm like, eh? what is? And they're like, yeah, okay. And then it's seven o'clock, they're like, leave. And I'm like, leave? Like, it's horrible, it's so horrible because you're just like, like, even like with the hotel room, like, you've seen me like literally bawling my eyes out because I'm like, like, this hasn't worked out. And yeah, it was like when I did the mural go up and it was at that, it was on the second day. If if it had gone up the day before, first first day, you can make amendments. So you can be like, you know what, I'm going to run to be. I'm going to like change it. I'm going to get more, whatever. And that particular episode, I had a real difficulty with my trade at the time. Like I felt like that person wasn't like just talking too much and like not actually helping me out considering we had like mold issues and stuff. There was like, you had so much to kind of, that's where where we started to hear the mold to gold. So that's taking light of a really stressful situation. But yeah, I was also thinking like, well, my thing is, I'm, Steph says I make up narratives about people without really knowing. Yeah, she'll just have a to watch a TV show. We all do it. <laughs> no, but it, it's the point where it's not just TV. Let's face it. Oh, even in real life. Yeah. Oh, the post office, and I, you know, and she's just. Well, I was right. About painted that. out a whole story. <laughs> I love that. And I'm just like, you've ruined. I've missed half of the show now. <laughs> I just think, how do you navigate? Because you don't pick. Obviously, you don't pick the other contestants you don't pick who you're assigned to for the the trades people and sometimes I think so do some of the trades people get really annoyed because there were certain people and I won't name them oh, was really got person, right on my yeah. and um, I was just like oh my gosh I couldn't imagine working with him it's so annoying so but also I keep saying to it one this show's edited he is annoying I found him annoying or her, who give the it gender, is it. it's a him, but we just didn't like him. Is it Paul by any chance? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. but, but, you know, I, I didn't like him, but the stuff, it was as if Julie had gone to school with him personally. <laughs> I was like, get a grip. We've seen about 30 seconds of him today. Like, oh my God, get a grip. <laughs> I didn't realise I was that bad. It was bad, I'm bad, sorry. really bad. I just, yeah, I guess it's a real kind of lesson in... But you're learning skills, you're learning, everything's an experience, a lesson, yeah. isn't it? Because you don't know, your client could, could be a Paul. You, they might want to partner you with a supplier who was a Paul, yeah. and you've just got to get yeah. on with it to get the job done, don't you? Yeah, that's, that's the thing, that, well, that's the exact thing. Like, I, the person I had for my trade, she was talking all sorts of things like, oh yeah, like when my cat feels unwell, I have to show you. And, like, and I was just like, oh my no. God. I was like, I'm, I'm literally having a crisis here. Like there's mold and all walls. Like, there was no sense of urgency for me. Yeah. Like, and I, I was getting so frustrated. And I've had production going, just tell her, tell her that you need her to work a bit faster. Tell your trades, explain to mm-hmm. them, like really give them some urgency. And I was like, no. And so I, I cried a lot because oh, I, there was a frustration with that. But there was also yeah. frustration because I was feeling like I was back at uni. I was feeling like I wasn't oh. good enough. And the realisation that the one project that I got to work on on my own actually just wasn't 
working out and there's a lot of things and then after after we finished filming that particular episode they asked me about because they were really digging me on the interview like you know like what do you think went wrong and like why are you crying kind of vibe and then I said to them afterwards like, the reason why I got frustrated is because though you were encouraging me to speak to my trades particularly this one girl I was never going to do that I would rather mm-hmm. pull my eyes out and show how vulnerable I'm feeling than be the angry black one who's shouting at this little white girl yeah yeah like a flower she literally had a flower in her hand and I was like imagine that even when we were picking up the the plastic off of the floor because we're like we've got to get out of this room now Mm. they're like no more and then we're putting it up me and I think the other trades guy and this girl's like oh you know like I'm feeling claustrophobic like um you know like and I was like no but we've, we've got to get out but imagine if I had gone in there and been like look I don't want to hear about your cat I don't want to hear it like and just right. you know, if I went how I really felt yeah yeah no, and I, you know, because if you had gone that other way but perhaps it might have, again I'm doing Julie's narrative but she could have been a plant yeah it could have made, made her no but do you know what look when they're making things they always want a story so like how you how you how you guys felt about Paul was because they were happy to create a narrative for him to be a villain and Paul's a very confident person but he's by far like the person that they yeah those things come out of his mouth don't get me wrong but if anything, he doesn't believe it as much as they've edited it. So right, right. Like, yeah. You just see what I mean? And actually, like, I get on really, really well with him. And I'm not, a, I'm not a like, oh yeah, like everyone's great. Like if I really don't like you, I really don't like you, right? But um, <laughs> I didn't want it. And I said this to them. I was like, I never ever wanted it to be the narrative. If you felt like it to make a story that I was this angry black woman, because it just right. took you to film that and then pick that bit. And mm, I, was yeah. like, I would rather young black women girls look at me and be like I want to do what she's doing and actually it's okay for me to be vulnerable it's okay yeah. for me to sometimes not feel as confident but she's doing it and she's there she's on the tv and she's kept going like I yeah. rather that be the narrative than me ever being like yeah. you know for you. this big black woman who's shouting at this little no so you're so yeah. smart you see, that, that's a whole nother level that other people wouldn't a have to kind of navigate or think about uh, consider at yeah. all and you, honestly you came across so well yeah. and you dealt with it really well because I would not have tolerated that and I wouldn't have come across well in that environment because yeah I think I just I'll either say but, something or clamp down and just and what annoys down. me is on other reality shows and even the, and I'm going as far back as some of the early reality shows where people have maybe stood up for themselves and spoken their truth and come across white male for example will young pushed back to simon cow 15 years ago yeah. headlines thank god somebody finally speaks out how brave is will he yeah. never has to think about like you say angry black woman or um sassy you know all these tropes yeah <clears throat> and it is it's a really difficult thing to do but then also to show your vulnerability and to go to the point where you feel that like you, you can only express yourself by crying, that's it. That's so draining in itself. It's yeah. The yeah. level of emotion. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love you, Rochelle. You're so lovely. Oh, thank you. I love you guys. <laughs> I feel like I'm with my friends. How many <laughs> Ditto. It's so yeah, nice. Definitely. Do you still keep in touch with anybody? 
yeah yeah so me and abby talk pretty yeah, much you know. every day oh yeah you're oh, that's, real that's, not that's nice we, we haven't as recently just because she's moved and whatever but she doesn't live far from where i work and neither does paul so paul's always like hosted us and done like nice dinners and stuff oh so he's, he's actually really really sweet look at her now oh they wanted you to believe that he was that person like yeah, but he right. came across that first episode he came across so misogynistic like i was yeah. just off the height so he had a lot of work to do and then subsequent episodes he had no chance. chance. He had no chance. No, I've, so many people, like even people that I work with, are like, "Oh, him, the one with the mustache." Like, and I'm like, you know what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the thing is, well, what people forget is that they um, they will answer you questions to get exactly. Yeah, and ah. they take the bit that you said. So, like, he might be like, "Oh, I'm a creative genius," and they'll be like, you know, they they would have answered him a question. Yeah, he's come out. Yeah, and then they might there may have been a bit afterwards where he's absolutely cracking up at himself and they've cut that. Cut that yeah. Yeah. Oh, but but he, he is a, he's a really he said, you know, he's like, I am confident and I own my confidence. And I'm like, yeah, good for you. Like, but as being like this nasty and misogynistic person, he actually isn't like he no. checks in on me a lot. He's always like, How are you doing? Like, you know, always seeing what I'm doing and like genuinely just somebody like he literally cracks me up because the things that come out of his mouth sometimes are outrageous but they're not serious <laughs> <laughs> so I went to speak to Paul Rich and Banjo a bit and I think yeah and Molly there's like a few people that I just don't really speak to that often but it's like anything you get a group you get certain people that you gel with and, and then also sometimes the people that you may have spent more time with whether Back behind the scenes, or actually working yeah. on a project together, and then yeah. that kind of cements your relationship. So, oh, so when I first met Abby, I wasn't keen on her because she came in, she was just really confident. She, her, and Dean were so loud mm. on that first day in the studio. I was like, I'm loud. If there's people who are louder than me, I just kind of I'm like, I'm like that. I'm like, oh, whoa. Is it, it's intimidating because also you're trying to find your voice, and yeah, it's just like too much. Can't deal. Would you do it again? Yes. And that's yeah. it. Yes, yes, in hindsight, like I'd love to do it again, maybe being less naive as to how these things work. Because, like, I think I honestly felt that you had these two days, and I honestly thought that you were kind of left to kind of get on with it and mm-hmm. film you and then interject at certain points. Not knowing how a TV show like that works wasn't really in my advantage. Like Banjo, for example, he really studied the show. He studied it. He knew he knew what was being said in previous shows, knew what Michelle liked. I kind of had a bit more of a, I think he, he was a bit more prepared than someone like me, who was like a rabbit in the headlights. So I'd love to do it again in hindsight, knowing that. Um, and also I just wouldn't care as much. Like I think I cared too much and I was mm. stuff and overwhelmed, so overwhelmed by just everything that was going on and how quickly you had to turn things over and the pressure of that. I do think the turnaround for it is is a lot. And I, I know it is, you know, you bake off your British so and I mean, you name it, I watch them all. She watches everything. <laughs> I just think two days and it like I, it's just in it's it's mad and and sometimes you just think, well, I wonder what the quality of the finish will be. But, you know, it's fascinating to see. And it's really good to see people grow. But you came across 
incredibly well. Yeah, he does. Really relatable, very passionate. Like genuinely in our post, we're saying we hope that it did well for your career and confidence. You are an incredibly talented mm -hmm. individual. You're natural got, as well. Yeah. You know how some people like, sorry to interrupt, but some people study the theory and they study and 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 think that's why you're good. Like you've studied the theory, but you're naturally good at it. Like you've actually naturally got a flair and an yeah. eye for things whereby, and I think that's what's inspiring. There might be somebody watching that's naturally creative like yourself and think, do you know what? That's what I should be doing. You know, because they can see themselves in you or see parts of themselves in you. So I thought that was really lovely to see on TV. Yeah, really powerful. So it's beamed into people's uh, homes and yeah. And yeah. So and obviously you're funny as well. Like I'm, I think your personality is, like I love Alan and, and stuff and he just make me giggle. Yes. But like, I just, I just smile when you're on TV. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, and I wasn't the only person either. Like, loads of people would have felt the same. Yeah. Aww, and I'm really jealous that I was speaking to her. Like, you never guess who I was speaking I to tomorrow. <laughs> you know, when, you, like, when we go out, it's really odd, especially when we go out and, in a, some sort of group of us. So if it's, like, me and Abby or me and Abby Paul or something like that, like, we went to Mighty Hoop for the other day and it was really mm -hmm. mad when you're walking along and someone goes, hi, Rochelle. And I'm like, oh, and like what? how do you know my name? I'm like, what? I love that. And they're like, oh, we've been watching you. I'm like, oh, it's, it really, it's really bizarre. Because I'm like, you know, people, we met a couple of people the other day after the event and they were like, we're just in the pub. And they were like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe we're like meeting our heroes. I was like, oh, that's strong. Here. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but it's true. It's like I was saying, I can't believe that you're speaking to us because yeah. I've just seen you on the screen and... Loved it. And yeah. you're doing, not just on the screen, but you were just, you absolutely smashed it at all levels. Because oh, I think nowadays, a lot of people can get onto TV shows or can get onto a platform, whether it's live streaming their own Instagram accounts and stuff. But to go on and have the impact that you've had, it's been really, really, really amazing. And you will continue to have, I'm sure of it. Right, I'm getting nudged to get, ask you the Melanie Magic question. Yeah. So what are your hopes and dreams for black British culture in the next five to 10 years? And do you have any insights on how we're going to get there? My hopes and dreams is that for black cultures that we actually don't have to, it doesn't have to be a thing anymore. Mm, like, yeah. I, I would love it that we don't have to try and make space or beg for space. Like, I think we've worked hard enough for it not to be there. I think that you can see it starting to happen with groups at the moment on TV, like not TV, but definitely on social media, like platforms, you're seeing black people coming together so much more and almost mm. having their own entity, like a whole black excellence kind of vibe. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I follow people like Irina, um, TTYA and Tolly T, like the girls from the Receipts podcast and Melissa's wardrobe. You see them all hanging together and going out and. I'd love to see more and more of that in black culture, like where people are like, we stand on our own, you know, we're, we're not doing it off of white people. I know that sounds really horrible, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Before all of this happened, we were royalty, you know, black mm. people came from royalty. I know they love to talk about slavery, but that, that is where our origins come from. And mm -hmm. I think it was really nice at some point where you saw lots of people going back to young people our age, going back to Ghana and Nigeria and and actually like having like having a good time and showing how beautiful Africa is. Like, I've, never, yeah. I've never been, but it made me feel like this what? is this is what I want to be a part of. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, like this is the kind of movement that I want to be in and this is what I'd like to see with black culture. That I it, love it. It's absolutely the norm. It's not just like, oh, this is the black culture. Like, take him our place back, if you see Yeah. Take yeah. him back our, <clears throat> our identity because and, and who we are and where we're from and being proud of it is yeah. what I'd like to see. And I think it is happening. But I think one thing that we must keep doing and I think doing this show has reminded me of it is that we have to keep learning to boost each other and I think that's what's so beautiful about what you guys are doing here like it's been so nice like the confidence that you're giving me and like the way you're boosting me like in a kind of sisterhood way it's Mm -hmm. really it's really nice and we just don't do it enough like like I talk about all the time at work about nepotism and the reason why a lot of people are privileged within architecture is because they've had mummy daddy uncle uncle's best friend whatever one Mm. of the worst things for us as black people I don't think we network enough Mm. we don't um encourage networking and and not nepotism but we don't encourage those kind of things enough or the previous generation definitely didn't. So I'd like to see us do more of that. And I would like to think that if I ever got big in, I don't know, whether it was TV or whatever, that I will always remember people who start off like me and remember to try and boost them where I can, use Mm -hmm. my platform to make them bigger, you know, less competitive and more united is what I want to see for us as black people. Well, I can definitely see you doing that. Is 100%. that you know sending the the lift down or lifting as you rise, whichever analogy fits, and it's so powerful. And yeah, I do think it is happening in, in different spheres. And I know often it's quite easy because it, it's more visible. But within popular culture, I mean, often like black culture, wherever you are, is popular culture yeah. or elements of it are taken and then become popular culture but I think you know like after the recent BAFTAs and Mo Gilligan had the after party seeing pictures on so many different people's Instagram and it's just black excellence and it's just it was beautiful and it's like we need more of that because that could happen so many much earlier but the fact that I mean I know there's something I think there's something special about this time now and yeah absolutely whatever industry we're in we need to be creating just it's like you've created your own space it's your own table and inviting others to be a part of it and yeah we need to see more of it I totally agree I think what's lovely is that we're not apologizing for doing it anymore like I think before there's been I've, I've spoken to so many people about there's even little things where um, let's say they have a name that's more traditional like Ghanaian or you know a Nigerian and somebody may pronounce it wrong the person would apologize for the person that's got made the mistake of pronouncing the name because that's just yeah. how we are Whereas now, you know, we're unashamedly like, no, this is how you say it. If yeah. you can say, I don't know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, yeah. you can say my name, right? You get me? Yeah. So, you know, I love the fact that this black excellence is unapologetic. I love the fact the spaces that we're in, we're not apologising for being proud of who we are. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know, we're just, we're just taking our rightful place now, which is absolutely awesome. Exactly. I love that. Oh, I love that answer. That's amazing. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, Rochelle, I'm sorry, sorry we didn't get a chance to speak about Luna Spot, but please do share. Like, we'd love if you could let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you or, like, your brand. Yeah. So, if you're happy to share your social media handles or website. That's yeah, great. sure. So, anyone can email me at Luna Spot, which is info at lunaspotdesign.com. For my normal, just personal and everything, Instagram is Rochelle underscore Dalfinis. And then Luna Spot design is my other handle for 
Instagram. Please do follow because you have great content and it is beautiful content as well, naturally, because it's from you. But yeah, today's been really rich mm. and I've loved today. How nice yeah, is that? I've loved it as well. You guys have to come down and yeah. Babe, you, you, <laughs> We're what, there. The, <laughs> what are you doing the, next week? The ticket is bought. <laughs> Come down. No, it'd be really, really nice. Come down. We'll take you for dinner or host you here or whatever. Like, amazing. Me and my friend Aisha, we love to host people. I don't know if you saw last night. It was her friend um, from her friend that she used to go to uni with, like when she did her other degree. But came round. It was her birthday, and we just sat, uh, you know, put the fire on. We did dinner. And, Oh my god, please. Like love it. We love it. We put our music on, we have a dance, we have a sing along. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely for sure. We'd love yeah. to take off it, and vice versa. Come up to Leeds. Do you ever come up north? No, not really. Not really. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what? My brother, like, that I, don't, I don't really know that many people who live in. I don't know any people apart from you guys. You know us here. now. Now I know you. Come <laughs> north, we'll host. I'm not oh, joking. That would be carnival is amazing as well. It's like it's like not in hill, but just a little bit less. It's been cancelled, hasn't it, for two years? Yeah, but it's yeah. going to be amazing, and it's all in one area, so there's less walking, a massive park, loads of amazing food. Think about it. All right. That's it from us today. Thank you so much, Rochelle. It's been amazing meeting you. And thank you so much for joining us. It has been an absolute honour. I know our listeners would have taken so much from today, as have we. Thank you to our listeners for listening again and join us again next week.